Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation while attempting to save a planet from their own moon. A newly depowered and human Q appears on board the Enterprise. But when Q's old enemies soon appear and try to seek revenge, they might just doom a whole planet as well. From February 3rd, 1990, it's season three, episode 13, Deja Q, or The Man and the Moon. <laughs> I'm Cam. That's Dan. And we get to see John Delancey naked. A fancy Delancey, as it were. A fancy Delancey and his moon as well. Mm -hmm. I was like, suddenly <laughs> naked Q. <laughs> suddenly naked Q. When they were filming this, this episode, they uh, kept trying to make it so he wasn't actually naked, and it kept going horribly. And finally, he just said, John Delancey said, everyone who's offended by nudity, leave the room. And he dropped Trow, and they filmed it in one take. And it's glorious. Nice. Consummate fucking professional. Oh, Dan, Q's back. How do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? I feel like... You know, you never know how much you miss someone until, until they're, they're back in your life. And then you're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's true. It's, it's always a delight. A Q episode is something to look forward to. And... Q episodes Q episodes are always fun. They're always a test for the crew in various capacities. What this one do does better than most is it puts him in direct not conflict but puts him in great relationship with another character that's not Picard in the form of data here, which we haven't really seen. You know, he made Riker omnipotent that one time, but that was not, that was like, that was a shtick. That was a gimmick. That wasn't him and Riker have a bunch of scenes together, but him and Q, Q and data having relationship together really, I think sets this one apart. And the Guinan scene, I just, uh, just camera. I, I, <laughs> I cannot, I will tell you my reaction in earnest when we get to it for now catch them all up tell them what's happening all righty here comes the thing everyone <laughs> i don't know <clears throat> here's the thing on start at 43539.1 the enterprise arrives at planet burrell four it was brell it was brell but it sounded brell yeah i don't know on Stardate 43539.1, the Enterprise arrives at planet Burrell 4 to prevent the looming disaster of the planet's asteroidal moon falling from its orbit and crashing into the planet, which would just, of course, be disastrous. <laughs> As the ship arrives, the planet is already experiencing the damage effects of the moon's gravitational field. 
I say it often, you don't want to get too close to a looming moon. As the crew is working, <laughs> that's no moon. <laughs> As the crew is working, Q appears on the bridge, naked, and explains that he is being punished by the Continuum for spreading chaos throughout the universe that he has been stripped of his powers as well as his clothing and is banished from the continuum. And he chose to be transported to the Enterprise as a human for asylum. Picard reluctantly helps Q, but instead of assigning him guest quarters, treats him like a criminal and throws him in the brig. And he loved every goddamn second of it. As the moon continues to descend to the planet, Picard urges Q to use his powers to move the moon back into its, back into its original orbit. Q insists, however, that he is actually powerless, except for his IQ of 2005. Toot. The captain assigns Lieutenant Commander Data to watch Q, and he is ordered to assist the engineering team. Q suggests that they change the gravitational constant of the universe in order to bring the moon back into position, which is, of course, ridiculous. Um, but he begins experiencing more human conditions, such as back spasms and hunger, Data takes Q to 10 forward to eat. When Q inquires about what best food, what food is best to address his constant suffering, Data suggests chocolate, as he has observed that Counselor Troy has a lack of character development. <laughs> ah, after ordering 10 sundaes, his hunger is quickly displaced upon encountering Guinan who tests his mortal form by stabbing him with a fork. Shortly thereafter, Q is set upon by a cloud of gaseous entities called the Calamaranes, who have previously been tormented by Q and are attempting to get revenge. After raising the shields to prevent the Calamaranes from attacking Q, Picard determines that Q took refuge on the Enterprise to protect himself from all of the people who want revenge on his ass. Q's idea of changing the gravitational constant in the universe, impossible with most human technology, sparks an idea in, in Geordi, and he modifies the gravitational constant in small volume by using a warp field. Uh, <clears throat> however, when he tests this, it lowers the Enterprise's shields, allowing the Calamaranes to attack Q again. Data attempts to save Q, but is damaged by the assault in doing so, nearly frying his positronic brain. Realizing that his presence on the Enterprise is doing more harm than he expected, Q leaves in a shuttlecraft. As the Calamarain close onto the shuttle, a second Q, played by Corbin Burnson, appears on the shuttle and informs Q that due to his selfless act to protect the Enterprise, the Continuum is willing to give him a second chance and to restore his powers. Q accepts and <laughs> immediately shrinks the Calamarain entities and teleports them into the palm of his hand, gloating over the restoration of his powers. The other Q then ducks in and says, Q, and urges him to reflect upon the lessons he's learned. He grudgingly sets the aliens free. Then, dressed as a mariachi, returns to the Enterprise and celebrates. Nudged by Picard to leave, he departs, bestowing a parting gift on Data for showing Q such warmth and how to be more human. After Q disappears, Data begins to laugh uncontrollably for a moment, and, to the surprise of the rest of Enterprise crew, does not know why. Upon learning that the Burrell Moon has returned to a safe orbit, Picard surmises that Q is responsible, and says that perhaps Q has a, resi has a residual amount of humanity after all. But then a cigar appears in his hand, and Q's voice tells him, don't bet on it. And so, ends Deja Q. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, Daniel. 
I just... I thought that I had an appreciation for John Delancey before, but this episode... In his desperation as a human, you take all of the cuteness and just in the first 15 minutes, he's so much more desperately quippy and fast and ridiculous and in your face because he's scared and frantic. <laughs> he's just so cute that it, it, it brought my appreciation to new heights. I, I very much enjoyed this episode. I'm so glad. But yeah, John Delancey is a remarkable performer. He's just, he's exceptional. And pairing him with all of the other exceptional talent in this show, it's just, mwah, I can't even. I love this episode so very much. But since you are new, and since you haven't seen it 28,000 times like I have, I would love to hear everything that you loved from top to bottom. Uh, I loved him appearing naked. Funny. <laughs> Unexpected. I loved the scene with him and Worf, where Worf leads him away and he's just obnoxious and ridiculous. That is like, maybe I should have been brought back a Klingon. Um, I should have chosen Klingon. Why'd I choose human? And him <laughs> pacing in the turbo lift in a full circle until he runs into Worf again. It's it's endlessly quotable, and it's a there's a lot of quip and rambling and philosophy and pontification and contempt. There's just so much happening in the performance and in the episode. And you package, like normally dealing with Q is whatever, but it's usually a problem by Q's design and we're waiting for Q to let them out once they've proved something. Like they have to do something to appease Q. But instead, Q was the MacGuffin that would solve a problem they already had. Which I, I thought was a nice a nice turn on it. It really was. I I think if they it was a little you know, they put a hat on it when Q and Data were walking together and Data pointed out that Q has nothing but contempt for humans and their humanity, and Data has nothing but fascination and aspiration towards it. And you know, yeah, they're kind of put a put a hat on it. Like everybody pay attention. But it was a really good pairing and all of their interactions were so earnest and of a kind. They're on a similar level. I'm sure Data is not as intelligent as Q based on the calculations and things that Q was able to make and his claim of his very high IQ. But they have a similar otherness, an outsider quality they're just come to very, totally different views on humanity. They're they're in it amongst it and seeing it, but they're they're in a very different they're in very different camps about they really us. Are. Um the <laughs> fact that Q was just truly a nuisance for most of this episode, which he's always a little bit of a nuisance until it's like a major threat and it's an issue, but there's still always this like underlying contempt where after the first time it's always kind of like you can tell Picard's like what do I have to do to fucking appease you this time like he, there's Q may be threatening but he is not a threat 
because it's always a game. Yes. And Picard is confident always. that they are more interesting to him alive than dead. And it's and he's all about keeping things interesting. But in this case, when you stripped away all of his omnipotence, he just became <laughs> he just became a legitimate pain in the ass. That's all he was. And that was and that was very fun to see. If like if you've removed all the powers from this guy, he's just an asshole. He just mm-hmm. sucks. But the single greatest moment of this episode, <laughs> where I literally went, oh, Guinan, which she appeared in that incredible black and red getup, looking like she just got done doing a stage show in Space Vegas. Um, <laughs> You're goddamn right. She Sister did. Act three thousand, <laughs> <laughs> and just her utter contempt and distrust, and just the sheer Schadenfreude joy she took in seeing Q so human, and then she fucking stabbed him in the hand. Yep, and then and then it was cool. She's like, "Yeah, no, he's actually human. Yeah. I'm good. Great, fine. <laughs> was everything I needed." <laughs> do, do, do. Meanwhile, the two people who replicated the Sundays are like, "You know, she's a really bad manager. She's not around that often." <laughs> <laughs> They're just looking at each other like, "Nice to see you. Are you going to take care of payroll? Like, we've had we have inspections coming up. Like, I don't you do, no. Cool. We have a C rating from the health inspector. That's on you, Guinan." <laughs> <laughs> it just means that they like it more. Fair. It just means that we have character. Yeah. So I was I was a big fan of this episode. I'm so glad. I am also a big fan of this episode. And honestly, it changes every time. I appreciate something else every time I see it. It's it is one of the more layered episodes that we have in season three. And it just I as far as layered I mean as far as performances and writing and it just it continues to give me something new every time I watch it. And I hope I wish the same for you. Oh, I'll be, I'll definitely be rewatching this one. It had, um, fun dialogue and interactions that I, I I feels, it feels like we're starting to get some of the evergreen episodes. People talk about rewatching this all the time and putting it on all the time. And for the first two seasons, I'm going to be honest, there were not a lot of instant classic. I could watch this anytime episodes. There was, they were fine. They're good. The production values have gone up. The caliber of script writing has gone up. The actors are comfortable in the roles finally. Like we're we've kind of arrived. And Gates McFadden can do more with a look than most actors can do with a soliloquy. Her entire interaction <laughs> clearing up his back spasm and then just her little look when he gave her some attitude. She's like, Maybe you're hungry. Like it was <laughs> It was both out of character for Dr. Crusher, but so in character for somebody who has dealt with Q on a couple occasions. Yep. No, it was it was perfection. Oh, yeah. Everything about every performance in this episode is perfection. I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, it's a very it's a very good episode. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's exceptional. Every the acting in this episode is exceptional. And it's just, it's because John Delancey is so incredibly good at being a pain in the fucking ass. He's just a cad. He's, he is. He's a cad and a fop and has to deal with it in this episode. And I just, I love it. I, mm, 
I love it so much. You can tell how how well regarded this episode is, not by its actual ranking on IMDb. Like, you know, people vote on these things, give them stars, and you can tell a good episode or just an impassioned episode by the number of people who vote for it. A really popular next-gen episode will have about 3,500 people that rated it. This is less than less than three. So it's not that impassioned. However, the quotes, usually people dis- will click on whether or not they find them interesting. And this is three or four times the usual amount of engagement for quotes that are considered interesting on this episode. Absolutely. Because it is so endlessly quotable. And it's all, it's universally positive. Mm-hmm. It's like 10 out of 10 found this interesting. Whereas normally it's like, you know, it starts to, yeah, two out of five. But yeah, I, there is just, there is so much to love. I, I honestly couldn't, I, I honestly can't break it all down into just one five minute section of what I love. But to hit on it, I love the performances from everyone, every single person in this cast, including Q2, who wasn't even credited. Fantastic. Also catty. Just, just lovely. I loved Q. I, I love the plot. I love all of the interaction. I love the dialogue. And I, <laughs> I love the new shuttles. Finally. Finally. They don't look like as much ass. They still look like a little ass, but at least they're not, you know, cardboard boxes anymore. Yeah, they're less cardboard boxes and more like a 1970s VW Rabbit. Like, nobody wants one, but you'd drive it if you had to. Yeah, absolutely. And they have matching warp nacelles, which, you know, is a big deal to me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and everyone was featured except Counselor Troy, who was was in a single shot. (laughs) She was in a single shot in this episode. Sitting there going, (laughs) what? Like they couldn't even they couldn't even do her the disservice of having her be at ten four to be like, oh, if you're sad, try chocolate. <laughs> like <laughs> Which uh brings us to hate. Uh it wasn't all Gates McFadden sass and John Delancey foppishness, was it, Daniel? No, Cameron, it was not. I have seen a lot of bad alien designs in Star Trek, but the (laughs) actors of Asian descent in what is essentially a butthole mask on their lips with really exaggerated eyebrows looked like weirdly, like they looked like fleshy koi fish. (laughs) And it was, yeah, there, it's it's real rough. That that alien design is real rough. The lips are just unnerving. It's like a sarlacc pit on your face. Just not. It is not good. It is those. That's not a stable wormhole. I'm looking at. No, no, no. It is very unstable. Very unstable. But I mean, I I stand by my statement. I even enjoyed their performances through that shitty makeup. No, their performances were fine. The makeup and character design is atrocious. Oh yeah, it was it was garbage. Um, I also, I mean, we touched on it, but I hate that they already are droning in on the Counselor Troy chocolate shtick. It's the most human thing about her. How much she loves chocolate. 
You know those you know those Earth uh, ladies and they're chocolate. But she's only half Earth lady. That's why she that's why she likes milk chocolate. See, a real Earth lady would like dark chocolate. I just ninety nine percent cacao mm-hmm. makes you go cow. <laughs> Where you're like, this isn't even enjoyable. <laughs> it's this is so bitter it makes me go. Ah, it's like somebody ah. dropped a battery in black coffee. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I, it just, it bums me out, especially since they couldn't even include her in this episode, no, except for she one shot. She doesn't even get to do her bad shtick. It's like, can I at least own my poor character development? No, it has to be described about me, just in case you missed that man. one episode. Uh, he might be an android, but he's still a man. He a man. Um, additionally, I think we really need to talk about Q's outfit. Because yep. it is not it's, an overall, it's not long johns. It's like it's like an overall and stirrup pants got together and worked in a lab to find the most camel toe inducing over the shoulder pant monstrosity and then paired it with what I contend is not a sweater, but a dicky, sir. I don't think that thing goes oh. all the way around. That's a hundred percent a dicky. <laughs> oh it's like wesley's sweater crawled into the trunk with his mother's workout gear and they had all sorts of horrifying incestuous clothing sex and that's what that's what came out that right there i could not have said it better myself (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) who's good at being horrifying Cameron Michael Ferry. <laughs> that that backwoods foothills from the holler incest getup is an affront to man and gods. Uh, and then the other cute was wearing it too. I know. I'm like, <laughs> is he making fun of him, or is he like, well, that seems fun? He he did say, ugh, beige. Yeah, right. These <laughs> are not my colors. <laughs> Great line. Great line. <laughs> exceptional oh yeah but i mean all in all there wasn't that much to hate about this the only other thing that i did not care for is that (laughs) yeah fascinating i didn't i didn't love the uh i didn't love the the mariachi band that just was like yeah that's fair i mean not for any sort of whatever i don't i don't really give a shit it was just like come on q you knew better than a mariachi band yeah, it was, uh, it just, it's one of those small things that was totally fine in the 80s that has not aged well at all. You know, and Cameron, and just... I'm, I'm really about all the small things. Truth care. Truth thanks. Truth brings. You know, if he had left me roses by the turbo lift, that would be. Surprises let me know he cares. Cameron, say it ain't say so. Say it ain't so, Dan. <laughs> I will not go. Turn the lights off. Carry me home. Um, the mariachi band. I did like this little thing. The mariachi band was playing La Paloma, which is means the dove. But the version made in, made popular in English by Elvis Presley is called No More from Blue Hawaii. And I that's what I recognized it from. Was I was like, are they playing that song from Blue Hawaii? <laughs> 
Way to be the Weird. only person who caught the Blue Hawaii reference. <laughs> well, what? What are you saying, Daniel Crary? I'm not saying anything about you. I'm legitimately giving you a pat on the back. I oh, now I can't thanks. even compliment you. God, you're so sensitive to everything I say. Like it's all gonna be some veiled attack or criticism, Cameron. Yeah, I'm. Well, that's what I get for three years of gaslighting. I'm just, not subtly mean. I'm I'm overt <laughs> and loud when I'm mean. I'm like tacky about it. Not unlike the outfit you're wearing. Oh, see well, what I did? It was a roundabout setup to do something shitty. Of course, I, I can't even see what you're wearing. Yes, you can. Now I can't. Oh, very cute. You're all Star <laughs> Trek. You're decked in Trek. I am decked in Trek today. Me even wearing my moon boots. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but I hate them. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not wearing moon boots. I'm wearing my my banging boots. Well, now that we've quoted, is that simple plan? All the small things? No, that is Blink-182. It is Blink-182. Thank you. You heathen. <laughs> well, <laughs> since we've clo- quoted them, we might as well quote this episode. <laughs> Nate's transition. Oh my God, okay. thank you. Wait, who, do fringe bitch again and say nice transition. Nice transition. Very nice. <clears throat> <laughs> Return that moon to its orbit. I have no powers. Cue the ordinary. Cue the liar. Cue the misanthrope. Cue the miserable. Cue the desperate. What must I do to convince you people? Die. Die. <laughs> oh, very clever, Worf. Eat any good books lately? <laughs> <laughs> An irony, it means that you have achieved in disgrace, what I have always aspired to be. I've been entirely preoccupied by the most frightening experience of my own. A couple of hours ago, I realized that my body was no longer functioning properly. I felt weak. I could no longer stand. Life was oozing out of me. I lost consciousness. You fell asleep. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. So fucking much this is after q at the very end has snapped his fingers and made just a gratuitous amount of tits appear <laughs> like yep. just that the showgirls with way too little odd uh and they're on Riker's <laughs> either arms and Riker says i don't need your fantasy women oh you're so stolid here you weren't like that before the beard <laughs> Uh, it's almost like uh, McCoy was in the background. Yep. I'll take him. Yep. <laughs> DeForest Kelly was on set that day. <laughs> hey, ladies. For old time's sake, could you, could you make some gratuitous tits appear? <laughs> I was, speaking of DeForest Kelly, I was reading an article on io9 about the must-watch Star Trek original series episodes, and one of the ones they listed was Spock's brain, and it said, "It's not a good. E- it's not a good episode. It's not even an okay episode. But you owe it to yourself to watch it. Just to see D. Forrest Kelly earnestly turn to William Shatner and say with the utmost sincerity, his brain's gone.'" <laughs> <laughs> 
You're goddamn right. And you I do. laughed so hard remembering that episode. I was like, God, we had a hard time, just a fun time, just shitting on that travesty. <laughs> it's gone, Jim. <laughs> yep, just exceptional. Oh, I'm I'm glad you can read those articles now and appreciate what they're saying yeah it the it's very me. hard to dodge star trek stuff on the internet because people are so excited about picard discovery and always talking about things like the biggest next gen nods in picard and i'm like i just even the little snip the first sentence that like appears below it i'm like la 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 <laughs> it's true so because we haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet i know cameron there's so much <laughs> i mean this is pretty good yeah yeah, yeah, and the yeah. next episode's pretty good. And the one after that is... Ugh. Is it the tits? Ugh. I can't even. All right. Until next time. Ah, but before I go, there's a debt I wish to repay. To my professor of the humanities, Data, I've decided to give you something very, very special. If your intention is to make me human, Q... No, 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 no. I would never curse you by making you human. Think of it as as a going away present. <laughs> Data? Data, why are you laughing? I do not know. But it was a wonderful feeling. Also, that data laughing gif just mm. the best. So good. Brent Spiner is a remarkable talent too. I just I can't gush enough on how talented these people are. Sploosh. <laughs> Sploosh. <laughs> Curse Sploosh. Uh you do, I'll do Riker in Q, and you do Data and Picard. Perfect. Captain, the aliens have disappeared, and so has the shuttle. Scan the sector. I have, sir. Well, I suppose that is the end of Q. Au contraire, mon capitaine. He's back. <laughs> mon capitaine. There are creatures in the universe who would consider you the ultimate achievement, Android. No feelings, no emotion, no pain, and yet you covet those qualities of humanity. Believe me, you've missed nothing. But if, but if it means anything to you, you're a better human than I. I'm no longer a member of the Continuum. My superiors have decided to punish me. And punish us as well, it would seem. My life as a human being has been a dismal failure. Perhaps my death will have a little dignity. Q, there is no dignity in this suicide. Yes, I suppose you're right. Death of a coward, then. So be it. But as human, as a human, I would have died of boredom. There's still this little matter of the selfless act. Now, you and I both know that the Calamarain would have eventually destroyed the Enterprise to get to you. And that's really why you left, right? It was... It was a teeny bit selfless, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. And there is my problem. See, I can't go back to the continuum and tell them that you committed a selfless act just before the end. If I do, there's going to be questions. 
there's going to be explanations for centuries. Ah, Dr. Crusher. I see Starfleet has shipped you back into exile. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. This is not a moment I've been looking forward to. I hear they drummed you out of the continuum. I like to think of it as a significant career change. Just one of the boys, eh? One of the boys with an IQ of 2005. The captain and many of the crew are not yet convinced he is truly human. Really? (laughs) Stab. Ah! (laughs) Seems human enough to me. (laughs) Uh. Fine. You want to be treated as a human? Absolutely. All right. Mr. Warp, throw him in the brig. Delighted, Captain. You're right, of course. I'm extraordinarily selfish, but it has served me so well in the past. It'll not serve you here. Don't be so hard on me, Jean-Luc. You've been immortal all your life. You know all about dying. I've never given it a second thought. Or a first one, for that matter. I could have been killed. If it hadn't been for Data and that one brief delay he created, I, I would have been gone. No more me. And no one would have missed me, would they? This goes against my better judgment. Transporter room three. Lock on to shuttle one. Beam it back into its bay. Hi, Captain. It's a perfectly good shuttlecraft. (laughs) (laughs) Such. He gets the look from Riker of like, come on. And he's just like, I'm not going to leave a perfectly good shuttlecraft out there. (laughs) So good. So good. (laughs) You know, you're incorrigible, Q. You're a lost cause. I can't go to a single solar system without having to apologize for you. And I'm tired of it. I wasn't the one who misplaced the entire Deltavid asteroid belt. Be quiet, or disappear back where you came from. I can't disappear any more than you could win a beauty contest. (laughs) (laughs) Jean-Luc, wait! This is getting on my nerves now that I have them. He was, he runs into the force field. (laughs) It was a mistake. I never should have picked human. I knew at the moment I said it, to think the future in this shell, forced to cover myself with fabric because of some outdated human morality, to say nothing of being too hot or too cold, growing feeble with age, losing my hair, catching a disease, being ticklish, sneezing, having an itch, a pimple bad breath. Having to bathe. Too bad. (laughs) You could learn a lot from this one. Sure, the robot who teaches the course in humanities. I am an android, not a robot. I beg your pardon. I'd enjoy that. And you'd better get used to it. What? Begging. You're a pitiful excuse for a human. The only way you're going to survive is on the charity of others. Oh, you bird. <laughs> you have fooled us too often, Q. Oh, precipitously incarnate, please don't feel compelled now to tell me a story of the boy who cried wharf. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <can> get it. <laughs> They made you a human as part of your punishment? 
No, it was my request. I could have chosen to exist as a Markovian sea lizard or a Belzoidian flea. Anything I wished, as long as it was mortal. And since I, have, since I had only a fraction of a second to mull, I chose this and asked them to bring me here. Why? Because in all the universe, you're the closest thing I have to a friend, Jean-Luc. These aren't my colors. My favorite line. <laughs> okay, last one. I have observed that the selection of food is often influenced by the mood of the person ordering. I'm in a dreadful mood. Get me something appropriate. When Counselor Troy is unhappy, she usually eats something chocolate. Chocolate? Hmm. A chocolate sundae, for example. Although I do not speak from personal experience, I have seen it have a profound psychological impact. I'll have ten chocolate sundaes. Ten? I have never seen anyone eat ten chocolate sundaes. I'm in a really bad mood. And since I've never eaten before, I should be very hungry. Well, if I didn't see it with my own eyes, I wouldn't have believed it. According to this, you have classic back trauma. Muscle spasms. I've been under a lot of pressure lately. Family problems. <laughs> right. Well, don't expect too much sympathy from me. You have been in a pain in our backsides often enough. Your bedside manner's admirable, doctor. I'm sure your patients recover quickly just to get away from you. <laughs> oh, how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> so good. Uh, Cameron. Yes, Daniel. How many stark, naked John Delancey's would you give this episode? Ooh. I am going to give this 4.75. Wow. It definitely, I mean... It had flaws, but they're so small compared to the rest of this episode. I just, it's, it's so good. So good. Quality not track. Not perfect. No, it's not perfect. And it's not the kind of episode that has like the kind of impact on say canon or character developments. This is, this is like, this is like watching a really good early regular season game where everyone is just clicking and jiving and everything's going well and the team is just enmeshed it's it's perfect in that regard like everything's working together it's it's quality television good production values for the most part uh yeah i would def i would give this a solid 4.25 yeah. Wow. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting for those 4.5, 4.75, those episodes where I'm like, "Oh my god. Next generation. This is why. This is why." <laughs> I'm waiting. But you know, until somebody makes a diamond cannon, I just I don't know if I'll ever get there. Oh. Well, I think you're going to be disappointed. There are no diamond cannons, but there are flutes. Flutes, eh? Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna mean a lot to you very soon. Well, as it means so much to the rest of us. Oh, fuck. Hopefully, hopefully he's a better flautist than a painter. <laughs> well, Cameron, harsh. We have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. 
We sure have. Join us next time for A Matter of Perspective. It's funny because it's the painting and then the people and yeah, it works uh -huh. out. <laughs> <laughs> that just leaves one last thing for us to do. And that's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. And for Dan to say, keep on trekking. Not to, not to oversell it, but um, it was also created by Ira Bear, who went on to create Deep Space Nine. So uh, it'll give you a little taste of flavor of Deep Space Nine that's gonna come up. Then. I don't know some of that some of that Deep says, Space but... Nine umami. Hold <laughs> <laughs> on, that Deep. I don't know who the fuck this is, but he's irritating as fuck, and I hate it. I don't know. I if the, I I can't even I can't even pinpoint him. Like, is it like Andy Cohen behind closed doors? Like, who is that? <laughs> Maybe. <gasps> Maybe. <laughs> it's good for me to dance because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to dance, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so fucking good at it. Uh, it's like I'd, I'd stop if I wasn't so good at it. <laughs> it's just like it's not fair to the rest I... of the world, you know? <laughs> I thought I was a singer who moved, but I was wrong. I'm a Fucking dancer. I'm a dancer who belts your face off. <laughs> Watch me kick my face and then belt my face off. There's no face left. <laughs> and then I'm going to lick my own asshole and you're going to like it. It's experimental. This is theater, bitch. <laughs> like, I just cannot go to another fringe festival. I just can't. These one man shows are killing me. <laughs> I, I love one-man shows and i love fringe the under the radar festival was one of my favorite things that i went to year after year and it was weird it was so weird but i just i loved it turns out i'm an avant-garde artist after all <laughs> i both love fringe and i hate fringe i just cameron i really just need that voice that you came up with to be fringe bitch can that be fringe bitch <laughs> She's yes. amazing. She's amazing at everything she does. She I can't wait for you to see everything her show. I it's so good. So good. Even it's going to change your life. It's going to change the theater. <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.